Hey, MLB show listeners, this is Jordan Schusterman, one of the hosts of Baseball Barbecue, another baseball podcast here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And you are going to be listening to one of our episodes here on this feed. If you enjoy it and you enjoy more baseball talk here at the Ringer, uh, we hope you go and subscribe. Follow us on Spotify. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and we hope you enjoy this discussion about this wild, wild postseason. Thanks. Welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brave enough to ask about the tight pants. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, October rolls on. Yes, Jake, indeed. Uh, although the actual reporter who was brave enough to ask that, that didn't go so well uh, for him. <laughs> um, but I'm happy to be here recording another late night pod with you, sir. Uh, a true honor and, and a privilege. Now, we've got both CRI uh, continuing. We've got Astros, Rays just played game four uh, minutes ago. Again, back in the car late on Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Uh, Braves Dodgers was a blowout today. We're going to get into all of that and we're going to also get in to some tight pants. Okay, Jake, since we last spoke, both of these championship series. I mean, we've whatever. been talking. Like, we've been we, talking. That's true. Believe it or not. Air. I know you 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 might think like wow that's incredible they don't speak they have such amazing chemistry for never speaking between podcasts no Jake and I talk all no, the time no we talk but but uh, we're on speaking a, terms a lot has changed and we uh, went into this evening Wednesday evening with the possibility that one of these series was going to be over but the Astros did manage to extend it of course we're going to get to that game but we want to start with the National League and the Dodgers and the Braves and uh we're going to kind of catch you up of course at least a little bit on how these series got to where they are today and then talk about the games we watched tonight so let's talk about the Dodgers and Braves because this series we when we previewed it earlier this week we talked about they neither of these teams had lost in the postseason yet they were both coming in hot we were wondering how the Braves were going to look against the team much better than the Marlins and the Reds. Uh, and the Braves look really freaking good for two days. Their MVP, Freddie Freeman, was amazing. Their two young starters, Max Fried and Ian Anderson, were spectacular. And the Dodgers offense, until the ninth inning of Game 2, did not look like the best offense in baseball at all. They just looked bad. And I know part of that was Globe Life Field being an absolute gigantic disaster for hitters in a lot of ways, uh, as we feared. But they just didn't look great. But then, even though they lost the game, Jake, the end of game two, it looked like great there, loss. Was, there was some life uh, for the We talk about some great losses. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's very important to lose purposefully in the postseason. You want to be able to squeeze out as much bullpen juice uh, as you possibly can, whenever you possibly can. All the pressure counts at all times. Did the Dodgers lose game two? Yes. Could they have won game two? Yeah. Should they? Probably, yeah. But they lost it. But what happened in game two paves the way for what happened tonight in game three. And holy fucking shit, 11 runs in the first inning. Uh, just an incredible just eruption yeah. of offensive, just 
Oh, yeah. I have no words. It was a it was a volcano uh, of just Dodgers hitters looking like the hitters we've we thought they were pretty much. And again, in that ninth inning, they had like they averaged like 106 miles an hour exit velocity and just barely came up short. And then they come in tonight as the road team, which I had a feeling was going to make a difference if they could just go up there against Kyle Wright, making his you know his I guess he started against the Marlins, but that's a little bit easier than facing the Dodgers. And they just. It was it was an air raid. It was crazy. And I want to bring Bobby Wagner in here, uh, our wonderful producer, because I wanted to, to first first ask you, Jake, like, what was the experience the first inning? And, and Bobby, you told me uh, before we started recording, uh, you had an interesting experience with this first 11 run inning, by the way, the most runs ever scored in one inning by one team in the postseason. Yeah, your boy had a busy day. You know, I was trying to squeeze in some errands mm. by errands. I mean, I was trying to walk the dog because that's the only thing I did. That is days. your errand. And I watched. I watched the first couple runs. I watched the first couple outs, and I was like, "Oh, Dodgers got three runs." You know, they got two outs. I believe that was that was mm-hmm. the scenario, right? They got two outs when they only had three runs. And I'm like, "Good start for the Dodgers offense. This is big. Let's see if they can protect this lead right now." They dog did. Is ready to go. <laughs> She's asking to come out. I'm like, "All right, take the dog out. We walk the dog. We're back in no joke. Ten minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, whatever you want to say." And I come back. And um, I look back up, eleven nothing. Uh, <laughs> eleven runs in one inning. Justin, eight runs in a dog walk. Jordan, <laughs> I was gonna say eight runs in uh, the shake of a dog piss. That's all it took. Eleven runs in an inning is a record, but eight runs in one Bobby Wagner dog walk is big. It, it's wow. truly, truly a hard they to track. Them. That Jake, were you were you watching that? Now again, this started. With a replay, Mookie Betts beats out yeah. an infield hit uh, to third base. Great play by Camargo. Great play by Freeman. He just barely beats it out. Get in the replay, and then okay, Mookie's on. Seager double. Boom, one nothing. Turner ground out. Muncie ground out. All right. Hey, hey, we got two. Hey, we got two. We got two. And then, as we love to do with the beginnings, let's just let's just rattle this off here. Double walk, Homer, Homer, walk, walk, single, hit by pitch, grand fucking slam. Will Smith strike out. Um, so Will Smith went one for two in the inning. Uh, this was uh, ridiculous. What What was your experience? Did you watch this from from first pitch here? Before yeah, you... I was whipping up some dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making. I made some salmon burgers tonight, so I was doing the part uh, where you put the salmon in the blender. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was in the food processor. So there was like a big like going on, and so it was kind of drowning out some of the home runs, right? So like I would I would the salmon. With the shallots, mm-hmm. and then I would like look up with you know fish gook on my hands, and it'd be like, "Hey, now it's six to zero. That's cool, right?" So, Jordan, yeah. uh, what 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 mundane household thing did you do while this inning was this going is great. on? Or were I was you sitting, just? I was sitting on the couch with my brother. We we just turned the game on. Uh, we were just uh, we were watching something. Maybe me and my sister were watching something. We turned it over. Okay, boom. We're you know Jock hits a homer. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is going nuts. While I'm like trying to find the clip of us talking on Instagram about how they were going to score six runs in the first inning, Edwin Rios hits another homer. I look up, I see Rios giving a high five, and I'm like, wait, was he giving Jack Peterson a high five? Because Jack Peterson was like, oh no, he hit another home run. Um, and then I was, it was hysteria. And then suddenly, five minutes later, Max Muncy hits a grand slam. It, it just kind of devolved into total chaos. So you didn't dust the shelves or vacuum? No, I, or I was like ordering dinner. I was, I was ordering dinner. I was, I was putting in, the, putting the order for my, for my brother to go pick up. But uh, yeah, no, that, that's what I accomplished during the Dodgers eleven run historic inning. Hey, to the listeners uh, of Baseball Barbecue, if you're still here, uh, let us know on Twitter what were you doing. <laughs> 
I did tweet this. Where were you when the Dodgers won 99 to zero? Uh, it did not end up being 99 to zero, uh, but still let us know what you were up to. And I, I, I'll say Jordan, like they scored 11 runs and I put some music on and like checked out of the game. We were basically just killing time before uh, Astros race started. Now they were up 15 to nothing after the top of the third. And then they had like one hit for the rest of the game. They subbed out most of their starters and the Braves were, of course, they were swinging early, whatever, uh, which is fine. That's what you expect. And, and thank you, because thank you to the Dodgers hitters for not piling on for the sake of this game not being any longer than four hours and 15 minutes, which is what it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was it was a bludgeoning. It was exactly what we what you'd want to see if you're a Dodgers fan and it sets them up quite nicely because something we did mention earlier, they lost Clayton Kershaw in game two to back spasms that they seemed like they actually knew sort of was maybe going to be an issue. I know we woke up the day of game two and found out that he was missing. It was like, oh shit, Clayton Kershaw. But apparently Gonsolin was ready for this. It sounds like they kind of knew that Kershaw was having some issues. Now they're heading into game four with Kershaw against Bryce Wilson, who has like 40 major league innings and the Dodgers look like they're in a great spot again. So it can happen pretty quickly. Could you imagine a life a lifestyle where whether or not you work on a particular day is determined by your buddy's back. Like how he, (laughs) like if he gets out of bed and he feels like shit, like you have to go to work. And if he feels good, then like you're, you're chilling. Like, you you know, you just do a little running and share from the dugout. Baseball is a weird sport. Uh, And you have to do, you have to do your job on national TV. uh, On national TV. Um, What a weird, what a weird world. Very, very Uh, weird. Okay, so we got game four tomorrow. Like you said, I the Dodgers look set up pretty good. I would take them in game four, and then we'll have we have ourselves a series. I mean, I think the Houston Tampa one will be over relatively soon, uh, probably in game five. And I hope that the Dodgers Braves one goes seven, so we have entertainment up until the World Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, too look, quick, too quick. CRI is never fun. Look, Braves going up 2-0, making me feel great about my Dodgers in seven pick. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, I, I've got to feel great about the Dodgers um, in Game Four. Uh, two other things we have to cover uh, in this series before we move on to the American League. One is. Because let's give the Braves some a little bit more love here, because I know they just got completely they are smashed winning the in this series. one. But like they are winning the series, and they are. I know Kyle Wright got ambushed, but like they're they're playing very well. Freddie Freeman looks amazing, and the Ozzy Albies to Mark Melanson homers <laughs> in both games were tremendous moments, and just like a great, wonderful baseball thing that. Uh, happens once a season, and it of course happens two nights in a row. Um, so I have to give uh, have to give them some love for that. The one disappointment I'd say for them so far has been Acuna, um, who has not really. I know he hasn't got, really done a thing quite yet. And Freddie he, Freeman has done multiple of things, but yep. he's been good mm-hmm. or he's been fine, but mm-hmm. he's not. Yeah, and and I would say I would say that. So and he of course he gets pulled tonight because they were down by fifteen. So I understand that. Um, and then the other X factor uh, with Atlanta is that they they lost Duval. Now we've got Pache, Christian Pache, their top prospect, who who hit his first career home run tonight, seventh guy ever to hit his first career homer in the postseason uh, tonight, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, but and he's going to be playing. I mean, he's playing center over Acuna, and that's because he's like one of the best outfielders defenders in the world. Well, so. <sighs> You could convince me that he should be out there anyway. Probably over Marcakis. Oh, yeah. In, in a Marquecas, given day. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up. Can we can we reflect on on again the the two big parts of the Brave season, which is Nick Marcakis opts out because Freddie Freeman has 
like terrifying levels of COVID he, where he's like in his bed with like 105 degree fever. And he's like, yeah, I talked to Freddie Freeman. That really scared me. I'm going to stay home. Remember that happens. Okay. That happens. He says that. Then Nick Markakis is like, oh, wait, Freddie Freeman's back and the Braves are really good. Uh, never mind. I'm actually going to opt back in. For <laughs> Nick Markakis comes back. Remember, he hit that walk-off home run like the day right. he got back. Which the Braves was are crazy. like, uh, uh, yeah, man, come like, on, sure, like, come no, on back. No, no, I remember when it when it was when it was reported that he was coming back. We were like, wait, they can opt back in. Like, I don't think none of us realized like, that, that was even allowed. Uh, and then, honestly, to be honest, since then he's been bad. Like, he just, he hasn't really helped them at all. Um, so yeah. uh, I agree with you. I would, and I'd certainly rather watch Pache. So anyway, uh, last thing we have to talk about, Jordan, are mm. pants. Oh, we have to do so, talk about pants. Which pants? To, what to, what what level of pants? Like, whoa, what type of pants are we talking about? The everyone is actually talking about the tight pants because mm-hmm. someone had tight pants on. For those of you unaware, Walker Bueller, Dodgers starter, uh, had some very tight pants in game one of the World Series. We have seen tight pants before. We are not strangers to tight pants. Justin Verlander uh, has always worn tight pants. Kike Hernandez has been known to don. Uh, pants of a certain tightness. However, Walker Bueller's pants looked tighter in a way that they looked like an error. They looked as if someone had made a mistake in the distribution or uh, maybe the drying of these this particular pair of pants. Uh, and it became a thing on Twitter. Everyone was talking about the pants because that's how this life works now. And hell yeah, let's talk about butts. That's fine. Dodgers, I tweet, someone dropped me the Zoom link. During the game. This was in, during the game. During the game. Yes. And yes. this was like when it was tied. It was like, let me in the, let me in the Zoom link. I want to ask about this. Okay. Dodgers lose. Devastating. Braves rally in the, in the ninth. Then, in the Zoom link, a reporter asks Walker Bueller about his fucking pants. Now, this is tough, right? This is what's so stupid about this, right? Is it like, oh, sorry. And then, and then Walker Bueller just ethers this, this guy. We'll play the clip quickly right here. Uh, Walker Bueller's pants were trending on Twitter tonight. Um, Pray another time or place, Michael. Thank you, Walker. All right. So here's what's dumb, right? I obviously am pro asking Walker Bueller about his pants. Now I am pro asking Walker Bueller about his pants if they win, because if they <laughs> right. win, if they win the game and you're like, Walker, you were wearing some tight pants. He's probably going to be in a good mood and he's going to be like, Haha, yeah, you know, like it got a little mix up and, uh, but I guess they worked out because we won the game and it's like a fun moment for everybody. But like, you just have to have a level of feel to know that Walker Bueller is not in the fucking mood, right? Just not right. in the fucking mood. Right. And <laughs> it was not the just time or place, Jordan. Not the time or place. And, uh, and, and listen, he's right. Um, now, was it more <laughs> the time I also, would argue also, it by was the, way, the place. Also, it was definitely it was the place. Definitely it was definitely the, the place. It was the only place. There's no other time you're going to talk to Walker Bueller, but definitely not the time. Uh, of course, it's hilarious because... <laughs> he should have said not the time or the score. Also, here's the other thing about this. Um, <laughs> not the time or the score, right? Exactly. Uh, is that he, he then walks off. Now, obviously, usually when the pitcher or the losing pitcher, it's, it's going to be a short interview. He's already not going to be happy. You're not going to keep him there all day. But like, I also like to think that there were probably other reporters in there that, with like actual questions. And hey, like, Walker, how's your <laughs> enormous blister? Like, nope, got to ask nope. about the pants. All right. Now, although we have to mention this because 
Okay, so while we we agree, like, yes, I mean, we support asking more interesting questions on Zooms, yes. But this is, as Jake says, a tremendous lack of feel. However, one Mr. Andy Martino, who is not known for the best takes, decided to quote tweet this video of Walker Bueller with this, which is, just, I just, I just I have not seen cur- this. Jake Let's has be not clear. Seen you this, right? basically previewed this <laughs> to me. Me and, me and Bobby decided that yeah, I'm excited to read this to you. There was like a teaser trailer of this tweet. This is, a- this is Andy's take on this, on this, uh, on Walker Bueller's answer. He says, this question absolutely had to be asked, by the way, would have been an indictment on all reporters present if it hadn't. It sucks to do it after a loss, but it was still part of the story. Bueller's answer is incorrect, though his emotional state is understandable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. I want to read it again. An indictment on all reporters present if it hadn't been asked. This is implying Andy's basically deciding that the tight pants were the reason that Walker Bueller struggled and lost. <laughs> that's, that's pretty the much what he's implying. That's pretty much what he's saying. He's like, listen, like that's clearly why he was getting hit around was because of the tight pants. So I had to ask it. That's just me being a journalist. Well, okay. So hold up. Now, I'm going to take a, a journey into Andy Martino's brain, like the Jimmy Neutron intro. Yes, into the cranium. Do it. Okay, into the cranium. If he believes that the tightness of the pants played a role in Bueller's ineffectiveness, which doesn't make sense because he was pretty good. Right. Then doesn't the question need to be framed in that manner? Exactly. In order exactly. Exactly. for it to be like a just inquiry? Bobby, Bobby, what are your, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I, I, have, I have so many thoughts. Too, go ahead. Go ahead. First of all, if that were the case and the reporter meant to ask a follow-up or a second clause of the question, Walker mm. Bueller cut him off so the world may never know. <laughs> How many licks does he take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Number two, I am so glad that I went to journalism school so that I could ha- get funny tweets off about journalism ethics on Twitter. Mm. Uh, my tens of thousands of dollars of student loan yes. debt are laughing Mazel at me, tov. are laughing along with me as I make these jokes on Twitter about how this guy needed to ask this question. I think Jake's point is so spot on because I don't know if Andy Martino was in this Zoom, okay? But two thoughts come to my mind. One is that the idea that Andy Martino was in the Zoom with his stern reporter face on, and when this person asked it, he's like, Thank goodness someone brought this up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> or, or, but if he wasn't, I really, you're telling me if you were in the Zoom, Andy, you would have been like, Walker, uh, you were seen to be struggling and it, it was clearly because your pants were too tight. Is that correct? Well, c- can I, can I say something, Jordan? Yes. <laughs> Let's say Walker Bueller's shoe was b- clearly broken, right? That like there was a, a, like a flap hanging off of his shoe and it was getting caught on every pitch, right? You would have to ask about the shoe, you right? You would, right. That's true. But and Walker was yeah. fine, though. Walker was fine. So <laughs> right. do you think that Andy thinks Walker's pants distracted Walker's teammates? Oh! oh. Or, counterpoint, do you think that Walker <laughs> took one of his teammates' pants and his teammates were wearing the wrong pants? Ooh, like he was wearing this Therefore, days. it affected his teammates. Mm-hmm. This once happened to me in college. Uh, I accidentally switched numbers with a guy who was 6'4". And was just drowning in some pants. <laughs> they were not tight. Um, so I I like the implication here. Mince's Bobby, that pants trending on Twitter. I like the idea 
that Jake McGee or like <laughs> Blake Trinan like comes into this game and it's like a big spot and his head is elsewhere. It's just thinking about Walker Bueller's shaping ass in his baseball Lululemon apparel and he gives up a homer due to a lack of focus. Frankly selfish. Frank, frankly selfish by Walker oh. not thinking of the team. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. So, so, happy. so in conclusion, I also just love the other best part of this is Bueller's answer is incorrect saying that it's not the time or the place. Which again, we'll give you, Andy, that it, it was the place, but definitely not the time. Not the time. <laughs> Here's okay. No, I can't go. Okay, we're no more. No <laughs> more. Done. We've done enough pants chat. Uh, There's this, actually two other baseball teams playing. <laughs> yes. So let's let's transition here. Let's move over to the American League. I'm sure the the Rays and that's like yes. This is the, <laughs> there's more baseball to talk about. Sorry, pants coast bias. All right. Sorry. It would have been an indictment on this podcast had we not yeah. discussed this tweet. The di- the discourse about pants gate. Indeed. All right. Let's move on to the. American League Championship Series, which currently sits three to one in favor of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, when we last spoke to you here on Baseball Barbecue, uh, Game One had been completed and the Rays were up one nothing. They proceeded to go up three zero with a combination of Randy Rosarena continuing to be the greatest player we've ever seen, some of the most unbelievable defense and positioning. Which let me just make a note here. Yes, they are making all the plays, but like. They are in the right fucking spot every time. It's unfreaking believable. And there are plays that the Astros, who I'm sure have all the fancy positioning charts too, are not making because their guys are not in the right spot. And it's just unbelievable to watch. The Rays defense has been obviously the story of this uh, series so far. We've had. I would also yeah. say other factors include mm-hmm. incredible uh, batted ball <laughs> luck that has yes. uh, benefited. <laughs> Tampa over Houston, Mm -hmm. a number of different examples of that. I would say Tampa's bullpen has just been exactly what we expected it to be. uh, And that Tampa was able to win game three due to a lack of experience uh, and depth in the Houston bullpen. Uh, Houston got three, like, you know, people always say like, hey, if you get that start from insert pitcher here, you take it every time. And the Astros got back to back to back, take it every time starts from Framber Valdez, uh, Lance McCullers, and Jose Urquidy. And they lost all three games. And then today, Zach Granke came out and gave them a you-take-it-every-time start. And they actually won the game. They did actually win the game. They finally used Christian Javier, um, who is awesome. And I hope people know his name by the end of this postseason, no matter how much farther the Astros make it. Um, But yeah, tonight, tonight was an interesting one. Uh, it, it, you know, it had its moments. The Rays made it interesting again at the end there. Uh, Presley, I just have no, like, I know Javier's pitch count was getting up, but I was like, leave him in. Like, I have no faith in Presley whatsoever. Um, but the, the Astros survive another day. But Alex, Alex Presley, <laughs> Jesus Christ, induces Jake. more. Stop. This is the second time this week you've said Alex Presley. And I just want to remind everyone that <laughs> Alex Presley I don't know how he made such a strong impression on you on the 2014 and 15 Astros, but those <laughs> 97 games and 625 OPS clearly just you know stole your heart, and you just want to keep remembering him. So Ryan Presley, continue. Ryan Presley, uh, induces more. What the hell are you swinging at? Remarks from a fan than really anyone. Like he doesn't induce 
notably more swings and misses than say like a, you know, an elite level, like Nick Anderson, Mm -hmm. but the pitches that people swing at from Presley when they're working are, they look, they're insane. Like Mm -hmm. they're like 40 feet to the mound. He's like, it's like a cricket pitch, you know? Right. It's really, really nuts. Uh, And the Rays, they almost got to him, you know, three more feet up in the air. And like this podcast would be recording two hours later because the Willie Adamas ball goes over the fence. Right. And I mean, the Willie play, like, I don't blame Willie for thinking it was out. Although I will say, we didn't get a definitive replay on how hard he was hustling. You could say if that was a triple, the next pitch was a wild pitch. Maybe he scores and ties the game there. Whatever. The point is, is no, that I don't no, blame... No, 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 no. I'm just striking that from the record. Okay. I think he could have had a triple if he was busting out of the box. I'm not blaming Willie. I also thought it was gone. I'm just saying. As soon as he got to second, and he looked on his face like, ah, shit, should be on three. Next pitch was well pitch. Whatever. Doesn't matter. The Rays are still going to win the series. The point is, is that the Astros survive. And let's talk about the Astros a little bit for what's been going well for them. Because you mentioned the starting pitching has been great, and it's barely worked. They're still down 3-1. And we'll talk about why they're going into tomorrow. Extremely underdogs. But Jose Altuve, who I know had a bout with the yips, we're not going to talk about that because I'm sure he's fine. It was a few, three bad throws that ended up having terrible results after the fact. And that's why it was magnified. Um, but Altuve and Springer, man, they are destroying the ball at the plate, and that is what is keeping the Astros in these games more than any defensive miscues. Um, and it's very impressive. It's it's an important reminder. Did the Astros cheat? Yes. Did they have good baseball players anyway? Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this before we recorded, but I have this working unproven theory that the cheating stuff like the trash can banging specifically helps your down order guys more like obviously, obviously like down order guys getting a base helps the guys later, like back at the top, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know, like I just watching Springer and Altuve in this postseason is just a reminder that like they are good at hitting at baseball, right? Like that is a, an indisputable fact. But I will say that you know, Springer was was great during the regular season. Altuve was bad. Altuve was terrible. Altuve was bad. And when I would watch him in the regular season, like, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't care whether this is, you know, whether this is cheating related or not. Like, he was amazing last year. Fine. But, like, as we saw with Dustin Pedroia, like, it can go very quickly for a player like his type. It can, right? And I'm not saying I was that convinced after 48 games that he played or, or whatever. Um, but I was not feeling great about Jose Altuve coming into this postseason at all. Just forget and whatever just the scandal. He, and he he's been unbelievable. On. And like you said, like, right, he's still an amazing baseball player. So you got to give him the credit for that um, because he's he's very much keeping them in. Uh, in this I'll tell you this. No one's banging a trash can now because we would definitely <laughs> be able to hear it. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's let's look ahead here because the Rays are still up 3-1. And as you mentioned earlier, you still feel very good about this uh, ending pretty quickly because as we saw with the DS against the Yankees, when they lost game four, it was like, yep, no problem. Like we feel great. Like we have our whole do our whole staff's going to be ready for tomorrow. We are great loss. We use three dudes that are, we're not going to rely on in the big important game that we're trying to win tomorrow. And same thing. Astros have to throw some freshmen tomorrow. Astros are going to be throwing. I mean, again, the only pitchers that have not pitched for them yet on the active roster are Chase DeYoung, who again was an indie ball two months ago. And, Luis Garcia, another rookie who has never pitched above a ball. Um, after that, I mean, they, Dusty already said after the game that it's not going to be Fromber or, Mc, or Lance on short rest. The Rays 
could go Snell on short rest, but I don't know why they would bother when they have the whole bullpen fresh and they clearly can do the best bullpen game in the league. So I assume the Rays will bullpen it with like Fleming and McClanahan and, you know, Castillo and, you know, Anderson, whatever. Um, but it's such a huge advantage to Tampa because Houston just has no arms to go tomorrow. You know, if Houston is able to score some runs early, it'll be interesting to see how Kevin Cash chooses to play it because there is a thought that's like, you if you go down like 3-0 early, do you hold your A bullpen back so that for game six, Snell on the mound, you have all of the horses in the stable ready to go instead of trying to go halfway with it. It'll be interesting to see just how that plays out. Yeah, that's true. Although, you know, worse, if they lose somehow, then they'll have Snell on full rest. And then if it gets to seven, they have Charlie Warren on four. Like, it's still heavily, heavily tilted uh, in Tampa's favor just because of the pitching. Um, So, but yeah, but I mean, again, like we... when they went up 3-0, like, it's not like the Astros haven't played well. It, it really isn't. Um, and so it, we can't be shocked when they win this game, and we can't be shocked if they somehow continue to extend the series. Um, but I don't think, especially like we saw with the Dodgers in game two, like, I think it probably helps to have that rally again happen in the ninth. Um, and I think Tampa just looks great, and I don't think this will slow them down at all. So If the Astros do win, that would be on Saturday night, and we will do an emergency Astros Saturday night 2004 Red Sox. Oh, could you imagine owning the owning to Red Sox fans with this Astros team being the second to ever do it? Oh, that (laughs) fires me up. Sorry. Uh, Okay, Jordan, that's it for the postseason. You mean you you definitely you mean Yankees fans? (laughs) No, I mean Astros. I mean Red Sox fans. I'm talking about the 2004 Red Sox are the only team to come back from being down 3-0. And it was against And them. if the Astros do this, right. they will be the second team. Right. And I feel like Red Sox fans take immense pride oh, in yeah, being okay. the only team who's ever done that. And therefore, they'd be like, damn it, the Astros. That's uh. fair. That's fair. That's fair. And I like the idea of the Astros then sticking it to the Yankees, the Rays, and the Red Sox in like one swoop. Yeah. I will say though, uh, from where we sit, like again, we react so quickly with these games. And like, Yesterday, and, you know, certainly before that Dodgers come back in game two, people were just like, oh, Jesus, Rays, Braves. Like, this is not what anyone would want to see. Like, I mean, we would love it. It's awesome baseball, two great teams, whatever. But, like, we're right back here, and these are two series that could continue to go on. Again, we feel pretty good about Tampa ending this pretty fast, but, like, the Dodgers are in a great spot, and I would not be surprised at all to see them just continue to roll. All right, Jake, we wanted to talk about one more thing before we get out of here because we have some time here. This this podcast isn't too long and we have some other baseball news going on. I know that we should really only be caring about these four teams in the postseason, but we have a little bit of manager hot seat. I guess not even hot seat. It's already open. Just manager open vacancy. uh, And there's some spicy rumors already swirling, uh, specifically about the Chicago White Sox. As we sit here, there are three jobs that are currently open. The Red Sox the White Sox, and the Detroit Tigers as we head into 2021. doesn't look and like we'll Sydney get another one. the Sydney Blue Sox. Sydney Blue Sox. Uh, I believe, yeah, I, I think they, I, eh, I'm not sure. Do they still, don't they have Manny Ramirez? Isn't Manny going down there? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Manny's playing in Australia. Okay, anyway. 
let's talk about this for a bit because the White Sox job seems like a whole lot of fun. Now I know we don't have to. Review, I'll take it. We don't have to review why you know Ricky Renteria. We, we just let's move. Let's look forward here. Okay, the White Sox are very fun. We've talked about them a lot this year. You know they kind of flamed out early, but it's still so much talent and such a fun group of players that you would want to manage. Now the rumors immediately, like within minutes of the news that Renteria came out, was that the White Sox are looking for a manager with championship experience from outside well, the organization. It should be noted, Rick Hahn, I believe, said that. Yes, so if you exactly. say championship experience outside the organization and the 2018 and 2017 World Series winning managers are both available for hire after the cheating scandal and, and you know, Alex Cora and AJ Hinch, that's going to come up. That is. If you say that, people are going to talk about it. And so shouldn't be surprised. Right. Before we talk about Alex Cora, I want to do want to bring up Tony La Russa. Tony La Russa's name uh, has been bantered uh, uh, about in the White Sox rumors. If the White Sox uh, hire Tony La Russa as their manager, I will walk from New York to Chicago. I will walk it with my fucking legs. I will do it. We'll like raise money for charity. Like, you know, people do this all the time when they try and find themselves. Hmm. I feel pretty found. Uh, I just am incredible. There's no way, no way. The White Sox will hire 76-year-old Tony La Russa and all of his cats. If they hire him to be like a special advisor, that doesn't count. He has to be the big league manager, and I'll walk to Chicago. Jake, I just want to let you know, I'm not one of those ringer producers that's just going to let you go back on this bullshit. Like, I'm not going to let you Donnie Kwok cleat this shit. This audio is forever. It will live with your boy and, and on the internet forever you're That's walking fine. to the windy city the winter is coming up by the way i know you didn't <laughs> the say winter date, city but... no i i know that um well jake I, he's just jake hold on why are you saying that? i mean i understand but if you could explain you just like stated this why are you okay. feel so passionately about this okay well he's 76 tony larissa is 76 and we have this old school new school dichotomy going on in the baseball world right now but tony larissa is so like old school in a way that we can't really comprehend anymore. Like Dusty Baker being the manager of the Astros is pretty wild, but like Dusty has like a general understanding, I think of advanced metrics and you know, how to implement them in some sort of way or else the Astros wouldn't have hired him. And to me, Tony La Russa, it just, it, oh man, I just, yeah. Now, so and, he, and, with, and, and the other point, last point, that him being the manager of that team is such a particularly bad fit for me where it's this like young, exciting, like boisterous, engaged, like they, they, they ex- exude like energy and joy. And I just can't imagine Tony LaRusso being the manager of that team. I mean, I agree. I certainly cannot fathom it. And part of me feels like so he's currently uh, in the Angels front office and had to get, you know, per- this is why this came out because he got permission for the Angels to interview for this. So I don't even think we realized that he still wanted to manage. Of course, he is Wait not- a second, wait a second. He got permission from the Angels. Yeah. So is this, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. Is this like me getting like permission from my girlfriend to like go on a date with a supermodel who I've never talked to. <laughs> you understand Tony La Russa with the angels. He has one of those, like I've been in baseball forever. I'm probably making like 600 K to basically just 
answer the phone when the GM who just got fired calls me and says, hey, do you think we should do this? He's like, yeah, sure. Boom, cash it. That's one of the best jobs in baseball if you're a 76-year-old baseball lifer. So it's a pretty it's a pretty cushy gig. Yeah, and I should point out Tony La Russa does is like a Hall of Fame manager and of has course. like insane amount of wins. But the reason whatever. I wanted to bring it up is that he last managed, of course, we last saw him winning the World Series with the 2011 Cardinals. And then we assumed like, all right, dude, you're 66. Like you're done managing. Great. Okay, bye. All right. We don't have to think about this anymore. Like we don't, I never thought he would want to have this job or any job, any managerial job. So that is kind of weird. Um, that said, let's get back to Hinch and Corey here, okay? Because that's the the real spicy room. Let's just move LaRusso to the side. Part of me feels like that's getting out there so that I don't know how White Sox fans feel about maybe hiring Hinch or Cora. Um, I'd be very curious about that, actually. Let us know because I, I really want to know how they would feel about that. Um, but it almost feels like it'd be like, oh, well, it's okay. We'll hire the guys that just got banned for cheating way better than Tony LaRusso, um, which we agree. But do you think that that would be, you would do that. Like, Corey, you'd, you'd go hire Cora. Like, you were, were I, I, yeah, I, I would. I, yeah. So I go, I, it's tough, right? Because on one hand, like, you don't want to reward people for breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what you're doing if you hire them, right? And like, that is essentially uh, exhibiting, like, it is okay to transgress if then you are rewarded down the road for it. On the other hand, do I think Alex Cora is the best manager available? I I do a hundred percent. Like I think he is super good. I think he's great relationships with his players. I think he exudes confidence in the postseason, which is such a like under. I I know you can't quantify that, et cetera. But talking about Aaron Boone, like it matters. And when they made their run in 2018, he was unflappable. He never flapped, and never flapped. Never flapped, not once. And and yes, you know, it's a huge moral gray area and I don't want to be the person who has to make that decision. But I think Alex Cora is the best baseball manager available. Now, if the White Sox determine that all that comes with hiring him is not worth the calculus, then I totally understand that decision. I think there's a good chance that you're right, that he is the best option and that hiring him would be a smart move. I also think that like it's just kind of a weird look when like that's how you go about like there's no search there's no there's I mean we, there's so many managerial candidates of all there will be background. a search right, there course, will they, be a search exactly, and there exactly. I'm not saying they should pick up the phone and right. like bring him in tomorrow right. but right that said though um and I think we <laughs> talked about this a couple of days ago but <laughs> um, I do like the idea more that Hinch or Cora goes to the Tigers. That feels more like probation, right? I think is the word you use, where it's like, right. you get to manage again, but you don't get to immediately go to a team that is a division contender. Like, you gotta go manage some slop, you know? Yeah, that's go the thing, dude. do some time and go manage the Tigers. And, you know, Hinch, Hinch managed, you know, he was managing the Astros at at the very beginning. I mean, he he, of course, his first year was 2015 and they were a winning team, so he wasn't really there when they were really rebuilding. So, Let's go, through, let's go through that. Let's see you deal with that, A.J. Hinch. Like, well, <laughs> that's the thing. If Hinch or Cora go to the Tigers job and they're there, they'll get hired and people will be mad for like a week. And, and then it'll forget. be like, yeah. wait, the Tigers are not going to be that good. Right. Like, whatever. By the way. And then it'll fade away. But if they take the White Sox job, it's a story the whole year. Right. By the way, just saying that as a, basically as a, it would be funnier because by all reports, 
they already have other candidates. They're already looking at a few names. So like, I don't think Hinchercore is going to Detroit. I'm just no. saying that it <laughs> makes more sense if we're looking for managerial, you know, justice or whatever, uh, that uh, sort of uh, fits better. Oh, and I guess the last point I would make on this is that if the White Sox really want uh, Alex Cora, they might have to get him from the team that already had him, the Red Sox, who rumored also maybe want him back. So right. I and I don't know if Alex Cora, if it was completely even is going to pick the White Sox over the Red Sox. I don't know. That'd be that'd be very interesting. Yeah, but maybe we'll find this out. This is in a all. Weeks. This conversation's like also extra, like the extra layer to it is right. Baseball has this tendency to just do musical chairs with the people who have done the jobs before. Exactly. Which is a problem in like a a whole number of ways and how you end up with such an overwhelmingly white, older uh, demographic of guys who have been managers in Mm -hmm. baseball history and like rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic like doesn't necessarily do anything. And that's why I do have like some general reservations about the idea of just going back to the guys who've done it before where you have candidates like, you know, Hensley Mullins who like deserve a look and deserve a gig. Mm -hmm. But I also think Alex, I mean, Hinch and Cora, I don't want to get into the differences between the two of them, but like, I'm just a big Alex Cora is good at that job believer. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, uh, I'm uh, I'm curious to see how quickly this gets resolved because there's nothing stopping them from hiring him tomorrow. Like they can go do that. So no, I think there is actually. I don't think so. I don't think you're allowed to announce major oh. transactions during the oh, World Series. Like at least people have been hired, but you you might be right. We might be cl- close enough to the end, and of course, maybe they are doing an actual search and whatnot. Doesn't his ban technically? stay in effect through the World Series this year? Isn't that the gig? That is, so I feel yeah, like it might be, uh, Rob might be a little upset if they announce it before is, the World Series. That would be incredible if they somehow made it through all the hoops to then do that. And, get, and then they're like, wait, oh, right, you're still banned. Press conference not till November 1st. <laughs> that would be so funny. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, again, we just wanted to, to mention it because uh, manager stuff is usually spicy and this could I think be it's extra spicy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so then I guess the things we need to know from you, the listeners, are uh, your thoughts on the tight pants situation. Send that in. White Sox fans, like, how are you guys feeling? And uh, that's it. That's all I got, Jordan. That's I it. think that's it for the today, uh, today's uh, tonight's show. <laughs> Thank you, Jake Mintz. Thank you, Bobby Wagner, for your contributions to the show and for producing it and uh, making it possible for you fine listeners to enjoy it. Thank you to Jake's car for serving as the studio once again. And when we talk to you next, he just honked. You get that beat? I, I heard that. When we talk to you next, we will uh, we'll have a World Series to look forward to. So uh, that's, I'm very much looking forward to finding out what that is. That's pretty cool. I also just realized I'm a total dickhead for beeping at like 12.45 in the morning. I, I'm, that was not cool, and I regret that. Have a good weekend. Uh, enjoy the baseball, and may Randy Rosarena continue to rake. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening, MLB Show listeners. Again, if you enjoyed that, you can listen to me, Jordan Schusterman, and Jake Mintz on Baseball Barbecue. Go follow on Spotify. We put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday, and we look forward to our next one as the World Series rapidly approaches. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.